This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, so let me uh, let me open up today by asking you: Are you a fan of hockey chaos? Like, do you cheer for? Do you cheer for whatever result will bring the most amount of chaos into the NHL? Because I do. I suspect deep down inside, you do as well. And if you're a fan of chaos, as we started off the week, we said, well, a couple of things need to happen in order to get us to Thursday. One of those hurdles now has been cleared. There is another hurdle tonight that we need to get over to produce the maximum, the potential at least, for the maximum amount of chaos this week. Last night, the Vancouver Canucks took apart the Edmonton Oilers 6-2. to two. This was a game that Edmonton dominated for the first, what do you say, 15 minutes? But Thatcher Demko with the Vancouver Canucks proved why he's one of the best netminders in the league. Maybe the best netminder right now, Ilya Sorokin and everybody in Long Island. Apologies. Thatcher Demko is awesome right now. Case in point, last night. Rick Talkie yesterday saying he's like smelling salts. We didn't wake up until he made the fifth, sixth, or maybe seventh amazing save. So that was a game that was dominated by Edmonton early, but at the end of the first period, it's 3-1. to 6-2 is the final score. We're getting it into what happened yesterday, but let's just bracket that for one second and say, okay, one hurdle in the let's have the most chaos this week has been cleared. Vancouver understood the assignments and beat Edmonton last night. Now, if you're a fan of chaos tonight, who are you cheering for? Who... Are you cheering for what color are your pom-poms tonight? They're orange. You're cheering for the Philadelphia Flyers. Because tonight, the Philadelphia Flyers face off against the San Jose Sharks. You want the Philadelphia Flyers to give the San Jose Sharks their first win? Of course you don't. You want the Flyers to win tonight, which would give us Thursday's dream chaotic matchup of the winless San Jose Sharks facing off against the struggling Edmonton Oilers. And if you think it's bad in Edmonton right now, and make no mistake about it, it's really bad. A loss on Thursday would create the max amount of chaos in Edmonton and around the NHL. We're starting now to see players come close to doing something we never hear players do, and that is criticize the net minding. Connor McDavid last night, after the loss. McDavid with zero points last night. McDavid postgame on the struggles of the Edmonton Oilers. Quote, no one's in here saying we've got to turn more pucks over or give up more two-on-ones and three-on-twos, said McDavid. But for whatever reason, they're going in. Let me say that again. But for whatever reason, they're going in. They're going in off us. They're going in every which way. You may read that differently, but I read that as McDavid going right up to the line and not making it obvious that one of the main problems here is, quote, pucks are going in. (laughs) They're going in off us. They're going in every which way. You know, I thought that uh, well, this broadcast last night, Gene Principe and Bob Stoffer brought up an interesting point. Calvin Pickard's got a 9.39 save percentage. Olivier Rodrigue has a 9.68. They're playing in Bakersfield right now. You call them up? You call one of them up? It's not working with Stuart Skinner. It's not working with Jack Campbell. 
Uh, I want to get to a couple of things from last night as well. 6-2 was the final. Vancouver over Edmonton. Look, man, Vancouver's awesome, uh, as Elliot has mentioned a couple of different times. And Elliot's going to join us here in a couple of moments. Best team in Canada, hands down. And one of the most exciting teams to watch, hands down. Quinn Hughes, one of the most exciting players to watch, hands down. One goal, three assists last night. 40 saves for Thatcher Demko, a pair of goals for Brock Besser. Incredible. Vancouver's 9-2-1, second in the Pacific. Edmonton, 2-8-1, seventh. Vancouver is 14 points up on the Edmonton Oilers. What is this, January? No, it's November. And they're 14 points up. Are we at the, in case of emergency, break glass moment now for the Edmonton Oilers? If we're not now, we might just be there on Thursday. Jay Woodcroft punted uh, out of last night's game as well. Uh, he maintains that he didn't say anything untoward, nor did he use any profanity. Nonetheless, we saw Jay Woodcroft take that walk. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada joins me now. Hello, Fridge. Hey, Jeff. How you doing, bud? Uh, better than Edmonton. Better than Boy. Jay Woodcroft. Better than those players, the netminders. Uh, we have a lot to get into, including the Maple Leafs uh, come from behind victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning yesterday. We should probably talk about Mike Greer blasting his team, the general manager of the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Sharks are in action tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. I want to get there in a second. But this was a, this was a weird one, Elliot, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, sometimes I look at games and I look at teams that are struggling and I say to myself, you know you're coming out of a losing skid when you lose games that you should probably win. And I look at that first 15 minutes of the game last night. It was a tilted rink. Edmonton threw everything they had at the Vancouver Canucks. Thatcher Demko, however, was just one step better than the Edmonton Oilers were. It kept the Vancouver Canucks in it. And next thing you know, we're going to intermission. And the Canucks are leading 3-1. to one. Um, Before we drill down on a couple of things from yesterday and maybe what might be chaos on Thursday, what did you make of last night's game? What were your takeaways? I don't know if I'd seen – it might have been one of the more anticipated games on the calendar uh, already because, you know, there were a lot of people texting, you know, what do you think tonight? What do you think tonight? And and the other thing, too, is when Toronto was down 4-1 in the first to Tampa, it was like people were like, oh, my – Toronto's a disaster, and what about Edmonton later? Like, they, like the people who watch auto races for the car crashes – they were out in full force <laughs> last night to watch to watch these games. Yeah. Um, but you know, I got to tell you, I I thought when Edmonton came out and they were, but the shot, as you said, the shots were what nineteen to two at one point, and Demko was doing what Demko yeah. does. You're like, you know, hey, great response. And then the two one goal, you could just see the sag. And you know, here's the thing, Jeff, when you, when you're going the way Edmonton's going. You have to be – there's one thing that you control, and that is how you play. And Edmonton sagged on the 2-1 goal. Yes, it was a bad goal, and I'm not going to excuse it in any way, shape, or form. But the other thing is there were still 40-plus minutes to play. And you could see after that the Oilers just broke down. They, they didn't believe they could win, and there were mistakes all over the ice. Like, you look at those goals – were some of them bad goals? Yep. But were there other ones you could see turnovers, bad routes, not the best back checking? Like when you're struggling and you're losing, 
and you're concerned about your goaltending, everybody else has got to say, all right, we're doing everything we can to help our goaltending overcome this. And it's not happening. And so, like, like to me, when we talked about the outdoor game as the cauldron of anger, Right now, Edmonton, they're just a, a, a big, a big, a big cauldron of mistakes. Like there's, like you, you can't make the mistakes Edmonton was making last night when you're going through what they're going through. And yes, I know people are going to look at that second goal, but to me, there were 59 other minutes to play. There's other things that could have happened. I understand all that, but what's the one thing we've been talking about over the last little while? The cascading effect when your goaltending is poor. It affects everything and the complete lack of confidence that every player seems to have on the ice about the goaltending. Like, it affects every I don't, I don't single like, I don't element like that excuse. of your team. I, I don't like that listen, excuse. If, not, I, listen, I, 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 it's true, though, Ellie. Like, I get it, but it's true. When we're doing the it's podcast true. together and you're having a terrible show... I don't say I've got to give up because <laughs> Merrick sucks today. I say I got to no. work better because Merrick sucks today. I have to overcome <laughs> his sucktitude. Yeah. But no, but like, well, look, when you're breaking like, in, they're when... going through a terrible phase right now. I get it. But you got to, yes. your effort cannot be compromised. Yeah. I, I understand all of that. All I'm saying is this is a reality. I mean, this is the history of hockey. And that yeah. position and the effect that it has and the effect that it has on everybody. So uh, a couple of things here, a couple of touchstone moments. Um, we mentioned Demko. You know, we can continue yeah. to gush about Quinn Hughes, and I'm sure all of our listeners in Vancouver would like that. We can gush yeah. about Demko Moore and his 40 saves and Besser and JT Miller and Elias Pettersson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But a couple of things that I want to get into here. Um, one of them is Jay Woodcroft. Now, he maintains, he said, nothing untoward. I, I would understand and, and appreciate if Jay Woodcroft at that moment were very frustrated and might have said a couple of things that he would like back. Um, I look at that situation, and again, I don't know what was said. Um, yeah. But we do know that the NHL is actively trying to crack down on coaches yeah. barking at officials and have very much empowered them, much like Major League umpires, uh, to chuck coaches as they see fit. So I don't yep. think we should be surprised by it. But did you look at that situation and say, wow, that's an overreaction by the official? Or did you say, man, Jay Woodcroft's really frustrated here, and I totally understand why? Well, I, I understood why, because, um, first of all, he's losing, and the team is losing, and they're going through a bad streak. So I understand that the coach is really frustrated. Uh, number two, I, I guarantee that he was, he was talking about, in the moment, I'm, I'm thinking... He's talking about the one penalty that is called versus the one penalty that isn't. So yeah. I'm sure he's frustrated. Um, you know, the, the thing about what was said is, you know, well, there was one time I went on the air and during a game and, and, said, and said, I can't believe a coach got kicked out for that. I can't remember what it was, but a coach got kicked yeah. out or got a penalty or something like that. And one of, the, uh, one of the referees called me and said, the one thing I would just ask you is, um, you know, you don't know what is, what's being said. And sometimes it might not look that bad, but what's being said is bad. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll concede that point. Here's the thing. Woodcroft comes out last night and he says, look, I, I didn't swear. I wasn't profane. I, I have no doubt he's complaining about the penalties one called versus another. 
which any coach is going to do, and especially in that situation. Here's the problem where we have that nobody can ask the officials here. Because Woodcroft comes out, and it's, you can't look at this, and especially with the way guys are getting tossed this year. Like, I, I don't like this, Jeff. Like, I, I don't like this trend. I don't like where it's going. I, I don't like this. MLB. Coaches get, getting tossed. Yes. And the MLB umpires MLB. are the most, noto- they're the most notoriously thin-skinned officials. Like, the NHL guys, yes. they are Correct. not like that. Like, I dealt with major league umpires for a long time. I know it's been a while, but apparently it hasn't changed. They're notoriously thin-skinned. It's but worse. the thing is, it's worse. The thing, the thing is, Jeff, is that, like, you know, like, I, I still don't like, like, if a, if a coach is being abusive, by all means, throw them out of the game. But if Woodcross says he's not being profane, and nobody, as far as I know, is calling him a liar, then why is he getting thrown out of games? I think officials have to understand that. The coaches are just as in this as the players are, and they are. And I think if you're going to throw them out of a game, you better have a good reason. So I would really like to know what the reason was. Cronin in Anaheim, I kind of understood to read his lips. I was like, okay, I can see why this one might have happened. Yes. But that, but that yes. one last night, like, like that one last night, I, I don't like it. And in general, I think coaches should only be thrown out of games or players even thrown out of games for verbal in like extreme situations. There should be a red line of words you can't use. And if you use those words, yeah. bye-bye. Fine. But he says he didn't use any, so I would love to know. Like if he's saying how come that's a penalty and that's not, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't be getting thrown out of a game for, for that. I would just love it if they uh, in the rule book they had a whole section on the words that it would like almost be like a uh, like a like a George, George Carlin. Carlin skit. All the words yeah. that you can't the <laughs> words that you can't say to an official. I would love, I would love to see that in the rule book, just tucked away in the back. Here are the words you're not allowed to say. Here's what here's what gets you chucked out. I would really enjoy that, Fridge. I think you would. Yeah. Too. So yeah, uh, here's well, here becomes one of the questions. Um, is this now, because you talked yesterday on the program about, you know, you're allowed to have four or five clunkers if you're a top team, but after that, you're not allowed any more clunkers, and the Edmonton Oilers have used up their clunkers. Um, and they lose yep. again last night, 6-2 to the uh, to the Vancouver Canucks, and now they've lost three in a row to Vancouver. Uh, anyone who, who bet on that and nailed it, congratulations, well done. Um, are, how close are they, or are they there right now, to having the, in case of emergency, break glass moment is it there, there or do we have to wait to see what happens against san jose and if, if no. we're there how close are they i, I would imagine like th- this would be one of the things i'm curious about here um how close are they to calling up calvin pickard from bakersfield you, you know it's really I mean, interesting it's obviously you have a crisis of confidence. it's really interesting you mentioned that because i had that conversation this morning like, I, I have to say, I, I'm watching the game last night, and they put up the stats of the goalies in Bakersfield, Rodriguez yep. Pickers, and I was like, where's that red alert sign? Like, if, if, if the Oilers yeah. broadcast is putting up the stats of the guys in Bakersfield, it's like, wow. Like, that's, 
That's a, a first yeah. of all, I, I'm not criticizing our guys. I think that was good TV. I thought it was interesting they brought it up, but when it first comes up on the screen, I'm like, wow, like this is where we are, eh? Um, I have yeah. to tell you, I think, again, is it, goal t- is it goaltending? Yes, but I think you saw a lot of plays in that game last night that didn't make sense either. Um, but I, I just have to say that I, I looked at that situation and I, you have to do something. Like, I remember, like, Cliff Fletcher used to always talk about there were times when you could, there were times when you could, say, trade a player for a draft pick just to shake up your room, right? And those times are harder now. But I think this is a case where if you're the Oilers, like, what does Craig Simpson always say? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And I think you have to, like, one game, like, like, we all thought the one game was the Heritage Classic, right? Uh, they won the Heritage Classic. Yeah. That Everything's turned around. But, no, now they're losing again. So you can't just use, oh, one game San Jose and everything's better. Like, you have, like, they have to be looking at everything right now. And I think you almost have to try something just to, do something um, like I, I really do think that and if that means you know putting someone on waivers to call up to call up Pickard maybe that's what you do um, you know Speck had a really good note uh, last night that early season goalie trades don't happen like he mentioned Sean Burke but just 30 years ago he got traded that early but yeah. like I, I think you're looking around now and, and targeting goalies and calling teams and saying all right, what's this going to take? Like, you have to be proactive right now. Well, it may even be more reactive than proactive, but proactive in terms of your yeah. question. Okay. Um, also around last night, so we just did like 20 minutes on the Oilers, and there's there's still more we can get into, too. I, I do wonder about, and it's funny, I was on with Rustic and Rose this morning, and, you know, I, I assume that players, uh, if you're on the ice, I assume health. But then uh, I look at Matthias Ekholm and say, "I that does not look like the same guy." But let's let's park that conversation same, for, same with for somewhere down the road. Oh, McDavid, by, same by, thing too. I mean, zero, by zero the way, points. One of my buddies in Vancouver texted me last night and said, "When you do your uh, heart trophy ballot, can you say, can you say we're playing number one? Can you do point five and point five and put Hughes and Pedersen both in?" So, research project for you, Jeff. <laughs> okay, very good. I'll get right on top of that. It's uh, 201 after I'm, uh, I'm off the air here, 201 Eastern. Um, the Maple Leafs down 4-1, to one and they make a goalie change, much like the first time these two teams played, and cue the comeback. Um, Nylander's point streak is uh, now at 12. It took overtime to get there. 6-5 to five is the final. Uh, Matthews with a pair of goals, and once it, man, I'll tell you, man, those visuals of Samsonov on the bench after he got yanked. I mean, we talk about, we all know how Edmonton is kryptonite for Markstrom. It looks like Tampa is kryptonite for for uh, for Samsonov. Uh, yep. Your thoughts on what we saw last night uh, with the Maple Leafs victory, and yeah, just a, a comment on Nick Robertson. I mean, he ends up ends up the game with with one assist in this one. Uh, do you have a thought on Nick Robertson, and you have a thought on the Maple Leafs comeback in general? Joseph Wall goes in and saves the day again. Well, I, you know, I I, I think this. Um, I, I the one thing I really like uh, 
the one thing I, I, I really liked about it last night was was Matthews, obviously. Um, you know, there's been this big debate about the lease and pushing back. And, like, that's and, – and even on Saturday morning when Keith was making it very clear how much he hated what happened Thursday, we kind of excused Matthews and Marner saying that their jobs are to score. And, you know, that's what that was about last night. Like, Matthews yeah. – like, if you want to talk about a player who won the Hart Trophy a couple of years ago, if Toronto's, if Toronto's season turns around, you know, we're going to be looking at last night for why. And not only did he score, but the way he went to the fans, too, right? Like, you know, like one of the critiques about yeah. Matthews is he's kind of Sundin-esque in the way that he's very stoic. And that was not stoic last night. Like, that was a lot of emotion. Nope. So, obviously, he deserves a lot of credit. Uh, they deserve a lot of credit for, for last night. You know what I laughed at, what I thought was really funny? And I thought it was the kind of sass that the least needed was that Giordano flicked the headman. Like, it was, it was like a little thing, but it was like the kind of a-hole behavior that I think Toronto needs a little bit more. And um, look, like everything about that game was really good last night for them in terms of the way they came back and won that game. But again, you got to build, and they're going to be facing a wounded animal tomorrow night at home, and they better be ready for all. Yep. They better. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Okay, I want to fly around a couple of things here in the couple of minutes I have left with you. Uh, Mike Greer on Monday, general manager of San Jose Sharks, uh, addressed the team. It's rare that GMs uh, uh, will, will address their team, let alone address their team like this. But when you surrender 20 goals in two games, I guess you throw tradition out the window and you just do what you feel is, is the right thing to do. Um, Greer maintains that he, he talked to the players about things that he deemed, you know, un- unacceptable. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, having pride and, uh, uh, in, in being an NHLer and discuss things that he will not tolerate, uh, with this team. Now, I think if you're cynical, you look at this and you say, well, the roster was constructed to be bad and you're quibbling over how bad they are. How did you see Mike Greer addressing his team yesterday? Well, look, like, Jeff, I think there's a difference. It, it's, it's similar to what we talked about with Edmonton. I think there's a difference between we know we're going to be bad and allowing yourself to becoming, become a laughing stock. Like, in my career, I know when I've done good work and I know when I've done poor work and I know when I've been put in a position to succeed and I know there have been times when I've been set up to fail. But... And, but, but again, what I control is, can I, did I do the best possible job? When I look in the mirror at the end of the day, I know if I did the best I could or I didn't. And you can't, like you, those two games that they had, which were historic, you know, you can't allow that. Now, the one thing, I, I'll tell you this, your point about roster construction is very good. Like someone made a point to me, and I thought it was a really good point that there's a way you kind of have to play in the NHL right now because of the way the game is now played. San Jose can't do that. So there, not only is their roster weak, but not only is their roster weak, but they can't play the way you need to play to be successful. But you know what? Like, it's like, 
it's and similar. It's also what we talked about with Toronto. It's like, okay, but don't go down meekly. Like, make it hard. Uh, do something. And I think that's what Greer is, is kind of saying, is that, you you know, there's a difference between knowing you're not going to be competitive and being uncompetitive. And I think that's that's what he's trying to say. And, like, again, like, you know, you, you have to sell. You have to find a way to get fans into the building. And Gord Stellick's old yeah. saying, if you're going to stink, stink on the road. Yeah, stink on the road. Uh, we'll see. Tonight, the uh, San Jose Sharks, uh, San Jose Sharks rather, face off against the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, I'm going to talk to Dan Dunleavy in a couple of seconds here, play-by-play voice of the Buffalo Sabres. Our former colleague at uh, 590 back when we were at 40 Holly Street in, in downtown Toronto. Um, Buffalo was facing off against the Carolina Hurricanes, and you had the note yesterday about Yaroslav Halak uh, and the PTO, the Carolina Hurricanes, having a look what's under the hood as I guess Halak is trying to play for every single Metropolitan Division team uh, before he calls it a career. Um, the yeah. bad news, Frederick Anderson with the blood clots. Uh, how do you see this one... I mean, where do you where do you see this story with Halak going? And I'll be honest with you, the presence of Halak on a PTO. My first thought after hearing the news about Frederick Anderson is that it's really not good here for the goalie. Uh, no, it's not. I mean, it sounds like, um, you know, it, it sounds like uh, there's just some hope, but it's maybe not. Uh, like initially, it sounded really ominous. Um, when I heard that Halak was going there, I was like, don't they have three goalies already? Like, I know they've been giving up a lot, but yeah. it seemed kind of weird. And it just it sounded kind of ominous, but the word got around that it wasn't, uh, uh, thankfully, maybe as serious as they initially thought. So, you know, that's good news. Um, you know, obviously, I wish Anderson the best. Nobody wants that. Nobody needs that. Um, I, you know, I, I, I hope he get, makes a full recovery and everything's okay. Um, but, uh, you know, like, I got to tell you, I have great admiration. Like, I, 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 when I was just putting together the note on it, you forget that Halak's been around 17 years. And, like, good on someone yes. who loves it so much that 17 years in, they still want to play. Like, uh, I, I really admire that, and we'll see how it works out. You know what? You know what's really. I'm, I'm glad you got there about that one because you know this year is probably the last season for Marc Andre Fleury, uh, yeah. number one overall in 2003. Um, you know we've seen a lot of players from that 2003 draft. You know retire or I mean a lot of them, like Dustin Brown and Brent Seabrook. There's a lot of players that are on this shady side of the mountain if they haven't already retired. Um, Yaroslav Halak was also in that 2003 draft. And that was a loaded, as you'll remember, that was a stacked draft, specifically in the first round. Everyone except the New York Rangers, who took Hugh Jessamine. I mean, everybody got players. I know St. Louis Blues fans will bark about Sean Bell, but like, everybody got players. Um, and you know me, I'm fascinated with, you know, the last player standing from every single draft. Um, I like that this guy's still fighting. And I don't know that it matters to players. Like, I want to be the last guy in the NHL from that draft, but... The fact that he's still in there swinging, saying, I still want to play, you know, it, it may end up being, you know, Ryan Suter, who's the last one remaining from the 2003 draft. But I, I, I was really, like, smiling. I was happy when I saw your note yesterday that Yaroslav, Yaroslav Halak is still trying to play and wondered, 
could he be the last member from the 2003 draft in the NHL? That would be great considering it was, what, the 271st pick or something like that? He was late. Yeah, let me try to... Yeah. Uh, this, I think I'll, he was the last or the really, second really last pick. Not 271st overall, ninth round. Oh, I, I still got he it. Was, he was sec- Wow. Look at that, yeah. Holy jeez. Uh, what number was, was he the second last late. pick? He was uh no Brian Elliott was the second yes. second last pick. Okay, I Brian remember. Brian Elliott this, was the second. Uh, this is going to send Yaroslav me down Black a rabbit the, hole here. But I remember that. I'm doing it right Brian, now, bud. Because <laughs> Brian Elliott when he got drafted and he showed yeah. up with the Senators, I think Ron Lowe was there and and Ron Lowe yeah. said to him, "Okay, congratulations kid. Welcome to the NHL. Awesome for you. You know what you're going to have to do now?" And Elliot said, relearn everything. And Lowe said, laughed and said, yes, because when Brian Elliott played in college at Wisconsin, he used the strategy. He would give yeah. up half the net, and the college shooters couldn't pick him, up, pick him apart like that. But in the NHL, yep. they could. Oh, and, yeah. and he knew that. So it was that's, that's quite a draft, the lack of Elliott. And, there's, and, and Elliott played for yeah. what? Like, like uh, what, last year, right? Last year. So, yeah. Last year. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That ninth that ninth round, whether it's David Jones or Big Tough Nick Tarnaski or Chris Porter or Troy Bodie. Wow. Or uh Tanner Glass and Matt Molson, those are all ninth round picks in two thousand three. Like two thousand three was the gift that still keeps on giving around the uh, the wow. NHL. That was a that was a loaded one. Okay, well thanks uh, all of our listeners and viewers for the indulgence as Elliot and I go down the uh, the two thousand three NHL draft list and wonder who's going to be the last uh, the last player standing. We shall move on. Maybe it's going to be Corey Perry. Like you know, the Corey Perry will want to be the last guy oh, to yeah. the draft. We'll see what maybe maybe Brent Burns ends up being that guy. Anyway, um, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Uh, we shall see. We have 10 games on the board this evening, and I know everyone's staying up real late to see if San Jose can get their first win of the season and the team in orange as the first victims. If not, then Elliot, you know how, you know, cheer for chaos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thursday could be insane if the you know, Flyers beat the is, San Jose Sharks tonight. It would be typical of this NHL season uh, if San Jose ruin that narrative by winning tonight. I know. I know. That's why I said at the top of the show, if you're cheering for chaos, if you're a fan of chaos, even if you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, if you Mm -hmm. love chaos, cheer for the Philadelphia Flyers tonight because it gives you the potential for max chaos. Sunday, San Jose and Edmonton. Or uh, Thursday, San Jose and Edmonton. Okay, on that we'll wrap. Uh, enjoy the rest of your walk, Mr. Friedman. We will check. Uh, we'll check back in. Actually, I'm not going to see you or talk to you until Thursday. You're off tomorrow writing, so I'll talk to you on Thursday. All right, buddy. Take care.